It's the State of the City Address on WRBI from Batesville Mayor Mike Bettis. Streaming on the TuneIn app at WRBIRadio.com and on 103.9 FM. Thank you and welcome tonight to the uh, State of the City Address for the City of Batesville. And so this is an annual event that we put on to update City Council and members of the public about what's happening in our community. I want to thank WRBI for playing it live on uh, this evening so people can listen to it from home. But tonight we'll, uh, I'll make a presentation about projects we've c- completed, projects we've got planned, um, talk a little bit about the census, and then also talk a, a bit about our financial situation. Very similar to what we've done in the past. And so every mayor across the state of Indiana is required to have some sort of a annual event where they share with the public what is happening in their community. Now, each mayor seems to do it differently. In some cities, it is a big deal. They sell tickets. They'll have hundreds of people show up. Uh, they'll wait outdoors to get a chance to come in and to listen to the speech. And so I encourage you all to do that now. <laughs> and so other communities will be more like how we do it here. We'll be a bit smaller and, and more um, easygoing. There will be some mayors who will literally will do it at a city council meeting. There is no set time. There is no set um, agenda. It's just open for, the, any, for any mayor to decide what is the best way to fit in your community. And so I started doing this back in, uh, actually in 2017 is the first time I did it. And um, the first couple of years, it was an hour and a half long. I was encouraged by my better half that that was way too long and I need to make it shorter. And yes. And so I will do my best to try to do it in under an hour this evening. So I've practiced a few times, and I'm pretty sure I'll be under an hour. But So let's get started. So like every year, we always start off with um, introducing any of the uh, elected officials who are in the audience. And so I'm Mike Bettis, mayor of the city of Basel. I'm the executive, and I'm responsible for the day-to-day operations for the city. We have with us Paul Gates, who is our clerk treasurer. Um, some people would say he's our chief financial officer, and so he's responsible for keeping track of the money and making sure we're, we're taking care of our budgets properly. We also have in the crowd, I think we have three city councilmen, so if you'll, uh, I'll start with Mr. Fritch, Jim Fritch, council for a number of years, representing District 2, correct? Three. Three. Oh, behind is Tracy Rolfing, who is District 2, sorry. Uh, he's also here. Then John Eargang, who's District 4. So thank you all for coming. We also have, uh, you wanna, and so I am responsible for the day-to-day um, running of the city. Obviously, I don't do it by myself. We have a whole team of folks who help me with running all the different departments. And so this slide shows the department heads um, for, for our utility gentlemen and then also for our safety folks, and then also Tim's group for the rest of the operation. And then I also have two members who work directly for myself. Um, oh, they're here in the background, Sarah, Tricia, thank you. And so between all of us, we uh, handle all the day-to-day things and do our best to keep things rolling. 
Now, I used this slide last year, and it, it seemed to be perfect, and so I um, at one point had taken it out for this year, but I, it is the best way to sum up how, how things get done in our city, and that we are all in this together, and that we all have a role to play, and we all need each other to, so we can all be successful. And so uh, I used it last year really to talk about COVID-19, um, and so I'm not going to spend an hour talking about COVID-19. I've talked about it enough for the last almost two years straight, um, but it is still here. It is still part of us. It has certainly changed the world, and it certainly affects our day-to-day operations. Um, fortunately, at the present time, that the spread is slowing down, uh, but unfortunately, it's impossible to know what will happen next. And so we've been on this roller coaster now for two years, and uh, we'll see where it takes us from here on out. But hopefully it will, it will get better. But I do need to take some time to thank uh, two different individuals, two organizations who have really helped with the COVID uh, challenge we face. And the first one is Paul Tyre, who is part of the Southeastern Indiana Health Clinic or Health Center. Some of you might call it the free clinic that's down, which is part of the Batesville Area Resource Center. Uh, Paul was really instrumental in helping to get the Indiana State Department of Health to get a strike team here to do testing, to do vaccinations. I believe that he brought their group down here four times in the last two or three months to help uh, with that, and especially here in the last month or so when the numbers were much higher it was it was really helpful to be able to have testing right here in town and so uh, thank you to Paul for for spearheading that for us I also want to uh, acknowledge Liz Lysine and also the Margaret Mary Health staff uh, they of they anyone have felt the brunt of all the patients um, that hospital was originally built to handle 25 people uh, 25 patients at any one time and they've done a really great job in the last three to four months of, of keeping everyone up to date on what's happening with their census, how many people are in and out of that hospital, how many of them had COVID, how many were in uh, intensive care, how many were on ventilators. Uh, it may seem mundane to you, but um, since the start of this, we have always, cons- we're, always been concerned about overrunning the hospital with COVID patients to a point then that we would, they would not be able to provide the services that we've all grown accustomed to receiving from the hospital. And so they have done a great job when the, even when their numbers were up in the 30s, they were still able to maintain it and get through it. And so we're very blessed to have a hospital that is so well managed and well staffed. Liz has just recently been uh, announced as the new president and CEO for the hospital. Uh, I mentioned her specifically because uh, in that time, they really have done a great job over the last few months of putting information out there about how busy they are. It's been on social media everywhere, and I think that provides a certain amount of comfort of knowing that our hospital is taking care of us and doing a great job. And so thank you to, the, to, to Liz and the hospital staff. So let's talk about projects. So 2021 was a pretty good year for us. We handled a number of projects. 
The top of the list is the, probably the biggest one that the city's ever taken on is the, what we call the long-term water project. And so if you're unfamiliar with this, we bought a piece of land in the middle of Franklin County right on top of an aquifer. And so we uh, placed three wells there. We piped that water back to the city. So it's a 16-mile pipeline that comes back to the city to a water softening plant. We have a watering softening plant now because when you pull water out of an aquifer, it's generally much harder than a water that you would find in a reservoir. So for years, we've used a Bischoff reservoir and we've had relatively soft water. But we, so to make the transition from the reservoir system to a um, aquifer, we had to do something to soften that water. So we built a water softening plant and so all that work is done. The pipeline is in. The system's actually been up and running for months. Um, most people did not notice it was as smooth a transition as I could possibly hope for. Uh, it was, and, and all was probably a $20 million project, probably the largest project the city's ever taken on for any one thing. And so it's gone really well. And so I need to acknowledge Eric Laker and the Utility Service Board for making that happen. They've done a great job and we're very fortunate. This will be our water source hopefully for the next 75 years plus. And so we are in a really great spot for years to come to have a guaranteed water. And um, at one point when I started as mayor, somebody once told me that he who has the water wins the game. Um, so we have the water and so we're hopefully in a good position that will be successful for years to come. We also do a lot of road projects. And so this past year, we finished a 2020-2 community crossing program. It's, some people will call it summer paving. It's actually gotten to a point where it's a combination of paving and stormwater projects. And so we have really done our best to try to figure out how we can get as many stormwater projects done around the city so that we can uh, avoid days like today where we get a lot of rain in a short amount of time and there's a lot of water out and out and about and so we do our very best to make sure that we are uh, doing some of these projects to help keep water out of people's basements uh, we try to our very best to do as many of these as we possibly can it was this program was originally started to help pave roads and so we are really good shape with our roads at this point in time and we are, uh, our roads are in as good a shape as probably anywhere across the state at this time. And so we've been, we've been very successful in getting money from the state for this program. I think we've gotten a million dollars each for the last three years from NDOT. And so we've been able to put some of our own money on the table for that and been able to get a lot of roads done. The next one is the one that's probably caused me the most heartache and the most challenge since I've been mayor, and that's the, the Walnut Street Utility Replacement Project. Probably also the one that's probably pissed off the most people in the room. As I said a few years ago, um, I stood here and said, at some point we're going to do this project, and at some point you're going to be happy. So, so my cell phone number is area code 812-212-6130. And so when you're having that day and you're really unhappy with me, call me and I'll do my best to talk you down off a ledge and try to get through this. Um, and so I've been lucky. Um, we have had some missteps and we've had a few challenges. And I've had a couple people who've had to reach out to me to encourage me to do better. And, um, and to those folks, I apologize. 
We will continue to do our best and we'll continue to try to do better in the future. But it was an important project for us. And so it wasn't something that we took on just for funsies. Um, the state wanted to repave Highway 229 through town. And so it, um, when we first found out about it, we thought, well, that seems like a good idea. Only until the time when our utility guys stepped up and said, hey, I have uh, um, wastewater structures that have been in place that were put, built back in the 1930s that were built up with brick. And one of those structures is leaning. And if we're going to, before they tear up that road and try to repave it and run heavy equipment in the paving process and potentially crush one of those leaning stormwater or wastewater um, structures, we'd like to, to exchange them or fix, change them out, put new ones in. And so then once the water guys heard that the wastewater guys wanted to get in there, then they all said, we want to play too. We want to replace water lines that have been also been in since the 1930s. And so they also wanted an opportunity to replace their lines. So by the time you start digging a trench for the water lines and then another trench for the wastewater lines, we did tear up that road pretty nicely. Um, and, and so it took a while. But they did get it done by the completion date that we had originally set, and so we feel good about that. It is a project that is um, the first phase of that is done. So Walnut Street was that first phase, and that project is complete. And it is something that hopefully we won't have to do for another uh, 20, 30 years, hopefully longer, but you never know. The pipes, will last, the pipes underground will last longer than what the pavement will on top. The uh, second phase of that project was replacing just the water lines only for one block on, on Boringer Street and then one block on Main Street. That too now is completed, and so that project is done. And so we'll be able to put that one behind us. We also took on some training for our police officers this past year, and this was really born out of conversations um, that started in the State House back early last year and that they were debating on how to make our police forces to make sure that they have the training they need so they can be successful when they're interacting with the public. And so uh, Stan uh, came to me and said, Mike, I think there's an opportunity for us to do some additional training that will put us in the, in the best position possible so that we can assure our citizens that we are trying to do our best to protect them and, and treat everyone fairly. And so we did special training for both implicit bias training and then also for de-escalation and, and, and dealing with citizens who are unhappy and trying to do our best to minimize the amount of force that we would use to dealing with those people. Uh, and so that training was completed also. Another item that was done this past year is something that we've been working on in the background for for at least the last year or so, and it's the Batesville Marketing Coalition. So this was a project that we started uh, so that we could figure out a way that we could market the city of Batesville so that we could do our best to try to attract people to our community. We have a lot to be proud of. We have a lot of really good things happening in our community, but we have never been very good about marketing ourselves. And so the obvious question is, why do you even care about marketing the city of Batesville? Well, the city of Batesville is run on tax dollars. This is probably the simplest way I can explain it, is to say that we provide services to the people of our community. We provide police protection, fire protection. We also take care of the streets and the parks and rec and all those kinds of things all get done because we can afford to do those things. And the only way we can do that is by being able 
well, the taxes are collected, they come to the city, then we invest it in those different types of services. If we want to continue to have those services, we have to do what we can to grow our community. And if we're going to grow our community, we need to figure out how do we sell ourselves. Um, it's a little difficult to stand out on Interstate 74 and try to say, hey, come, come live with us. Uh, that's probably not a very effective way to get people to move here. And so we started a year ago with looking at a plan on how do we attract people. And, and the easiest way, the, the most common way right now is to do it through social media. And so we had started almost a year ago working on our social media plan, which included doing stuff with um, Facebook and Instagram and also um, LinkedIn. And so that was started a year ago. We've been doing that in the background now for almost a year. We're getting better at it all the time. We're trying to put stuff out there that people will see from outside of our community so that we can reach them and hopefully they'll get a, a little interest and say, hey, that's, that's kind of a, a neat town or that's an interesting place and, and see some of the things that we're doing and, and have a way to start getting them to be interested in Batesville. So the next step of that now is to introduce a new website. And so we've uh, introduced a new website that we call Discover Batesville. And so it, it really talks about our community. There's a, a section in there for education. There's a section for healthcare. There's for arts and culture, for business, um, park and recs. And so those are all options. Are all things that are that people can uh, learn a little bit more about Batesville on this website. And so uh, this is the next phase of how we sell ourselves, so we can uh, see if we can't be continue to attract people to, to our community. So let's talk about projects for 2022. And so we already have one on the books that we've kind of started. So we've already have a community crossing project that we call 2021-1. Uh, part of it's already been done. The work that was done on Edgewood, the work that was done on Mulberry and at the intersection of Mulberry and Catherine was all part of the 2021 community crossing program. And so those projects were already com are basically completed. We still need to repave Mulberry from about Pearl to St. Louis Place, and so we'll do that this spring. But the next, but there are two more projects that we haven't started that were part of that um, some of that paving project. So the first one is widening Pullman Street, and so Pullman Street is a street that is. Uh, directly south of Liberty Park, and it runs between Park Avenue and Delaware. And so that section of road is a little bit narrower than most in the city of Batesville. So we want to widen it a little bit, and we also have a stormwater. Um, we need to put a culvert in to get some water from one side to the other. And so that will be the first project that will come out of that this spring. They're looking to start that sometime early March, but they've not given us an exact date yet. But they're we will be, that will be the first one we start with. The next one is the one I'm probably the most excited about. And so it is working on the underpass on Huntersville Road. So we have an, the railroad crosses through town and it crosses over the top of Huntersville and creates an underpass that we have. Then that, so starting at that underpass and going south to where it hits 229 is a stretch of Huntersville Road that we have not yet repaved. And so that was next on our list to repave it. And so while we're there, we're also going to do a stormwater project. 
And so days like today where we get a lot of rain, that underpass fills up with water and becomes a nice swimming pool for people to play in. Unfortunately, it's not very safe. Uh, didn't happen today, but a few rains back, we actually had somebody who thought they could drive through it and got about halfway down and realized that it was deeper than they thought and had quite a mess. And so this is a project, or this is a problem that has plagued our community for years. And so this, uh, so we are in the process of this spring then of fixing that problem. So we will go in and build a new stormwater system that will be underneath that bridge, underneath that underpass, and we'll drain that water out that we'll put in much bigger pipes this time and be able to get that water out of that area so that, that it would be safe for us to use. And we're sp investing a lot of money in this challenge, and, and part of it is because it's born out of a conversation from a few years back. And while the train, is while the train passes through the city of Batesville, uh, and if it rains, there is not a good way to get emergency vehicles from the north side of town to the south side of town. It hasn't happened very often. It's not something that happens every day. Probably doesn't happen every month. But we, when we took the bridge down on 229 that crossed over top of uh, Main Street, or it was actually the connect, true connection of 229, when that bridge was taken down, we put ourselves in a position that we could not get from the north side to the south side uh, if there was an emergency situation without having to drive all the way to Morris to get to the underpass out there. And so this is, uh, this is uh, one option. This was the option we thought was the most cost effective. There was another plan to go back to rebuild the bridge that was torn down back in the 80s. Uh, that option was about $6 million. And so this is an option that was about $600,000. And so we now will have a way to get emergency vehicles from one side to the other and not have the issue with the rain anymore. And so that's a project that will get done here this spring and so should be one that we can use for years. The next item is an update to the land usage section of the ordinance manual. We started this project this year uh, I freely admit that part of, part of the reason why it's not done is because of me. The, um, we've had, uh, at the bottom of the list is a project called the Ready Program. Uh, the Ready Program kind of came out of nowhere this, uh, back in April and has took up a lot of time. And so between myself and John and Sarah, we have spent hundreds of hours on this Ready Program. And so something gave, and so I have not been as mindful about this land, uh, updating this section of that book. Uh, we have a rough draft of a new version of it. Uh, this portion of our ordinance manual is, has not been touched in 30 years. It was way out of date. It needs to get done, and so we will get that done then this year. The next item is uh, body cameras for the police department. This is another project that we started last year. Uh, but we were waiting on a funding grant program from the state. Uh, that program did not get put in place until late last year, so we have made our request to the state for funding for body cameras for our police officers. Uh, we are one of the few communities out there that does not have body cams, and so we are, in a, we are going to push this ahead. We will find out, hopefully, in the, in the near future about the grants. If for some reason we are not successful for the grants, we will just pay for it ourselves and just move forward. 
but it seems silly not to wait and have an opportunity to use state funds if we could get our hands on it. And so that's another project for this year. Back in 2020, a census was taken, as it is every 10 years, and part of that census is then follows with redistricting. And so the county and the state has already done their work. It's the cities that have this year now. We have to do our redistricting this year so that we can be prepared for our election cycle, which happens in 2023. And so the city of Batesville has grown up to 7,200 people. We have four council districts, so we need to get four basically equal districts, of, which works out to about 1,800 people per district. And so we will go through and do that math this summer and try to get that pulled together before the end of the year and get that submitted to the state so we can have redraw our maps and then be set up for next year's election cycle. The next two are ones that are have been in flux and have been somewhat of a challenge. These are uh, the American Rescue Plan Act was is a federal program which provided funding for a lot of different projects, a lot of different things uh, from the federal government. It also included money for every community, every city, every town to have money to use uh, at your own desires. And so when it was first announced, we thought it was open to be used for anything. And then we quickly found out that there was really only four approved uses. Um, and so then it st- they started writing the laws behind it. And so what started off as a two or three page introduction to the ARPA plan is now grown into 437 pages of of federal rules on how it can be spent. And so that's daunting in by itself. Uh, the good news for us is that part of that, um, what they call the final rule, came out and says, oh, by the way, if your community received less than $10 million, then you can take a standard deduction and you may not have to follow all the 437 pages. Uh, so, which was a long way to get around back to, hey, we now have the opportunity to spend it in, in, a, in a number of different fashions. And so we will be, and so now that we have the final rules, we will start looking at what those options might be so that we can spend that money wisely. Uh, and so that will be something that will be coming up. Hopefully then that will turn into different projects that we can do that will be long-term projects for the city of Batesville. So this is I'll say extra money, money that we did was not something we counted on, but a million and a half dollars invested properly, we can knock out some bigger projects that we would not normally be able to afford. The last item on the list is, again, the READY program. It's called the Regional Economic Acceleration and Development Initiative. Uh, In my next life, I want to be the marketing guy that comes up with these acronyms so that I can cash in like others have, and and certainly this is one of them. And so this, too, has been somewhat of a challenge. The state uh, started this program uh, back in about April of last year. They, too, are using ARPA money, and um, they challenged all the different regions across the state to put together a plan on how, what kind of projects that would be transformative, what kind of projects would help you be successful to grow your communities. What kind of, and they basically asked us to dream big, think big, and go after projects that will make a difference in your community. And so we spent hundreds of hours trying to put together a plan and did. Uh, We made, um, put together a booklet 
200-some pages with all the information and, and all the background information, countless number of public uh, sessions, uh, one. And so our little group, which includes Batesville, Shelbyville, Greensburg, and Rushville, uh, we had meetings in each community. Then we had a big giant group meeting. We've had meetings with students. We've had meetings with educators. Um, we had a number of meetings with, amongst our own selves, debating all the different projects and all the different things that we thought we could do so as we could be successful and try to find ways that, of what we could do to grow our communities. So we put together a plan. Then we did a presentation. Uh, I th now it dawned on me, I was going to play the outtakes from our, uh, we did a video. And so uh, I don't think I, ha I do have it on my f computer. Maybe we'll play this afterwards. We have, a, that was an outtake video, which is quite hilarious. Um, and so it was all part of a way to make our presentation to the state, to do our part, to see if we could be one of the 10 lucky communities to get $50 million for our region. Uh, I ended up having 17 regions ask for money, and the state got all the plans, and they looked at them and said, how do we pick sev 10 winners and 7 losers without looking bad? And so they... Uh, decided instead of giving 10 communities $50 million each, they decided to give a sliding scale of 50 to some, 30 to others, 20 to some, 15 to others, and 5 to 1 to one community or one county. And so it was kind of, uh, uh, they kept, as I, if I seem bitter, it's because I am. It, it was a game that was played that uh, the rules seemed to change on a regular basis, and it was rather frustrating to deal with. Um, after we made our presentation, they announced it to win, uh, how they were going to award the money to different regions. They came back a few weeks later and said, oh, by the way, since this is ARPA money, we've gone back and looked at all of your projects and uh, they came back to the city of Batesville and said, every project that the city of Batesville put in does not qualify for ARPA, and so thanks for playing and have a nice day. Um, and so that was really not a very happy day when that came about and was not something that um, I thought was fair or thought was right. I likened it to Charlie Brown and Lucy. Yes, and... Lucy holds the football for Charlie Brown to come running up to kick it, to kick the field goal. And just as he's ready to swing his leg, his leg to kick the ball, Lucy would pull the football away, and Charlie Brown ends up on his butt. And a little, um, and same thing happens year after year to Charlie Brown. Well, it seemed like this same thing was happening with this ready program. Uh, Enough people complained, enough people raised their hand and said, wait a minute, this is not right. Well, we actually asked twice during the, as we were building our, our book of program, book of projects about that, and they said, oh, no, don't worry about that, ARPA. Don't, we'll take care of that. That's not an issue. And then they changed their minds. And so now they've changed their minds again. And so uh, we are back in the game, and we do, again, our, we'll, some of our projects will get funded. Now, obviously, we won't get the full $50 million that we had originally asked for, uh, that for our region, but we'll get 20 And so we, we're now working with our other 
other communities to figure out which projects are we going to push forward to spend that $20 million on. And so we're still in that process, and hopefully we'll be in the position soon to to talk about those a little bit more. But um, that one has taken a lot of time and a lot of effort, but maybe we'll get a positive outcome out of that before before too long. So next, 2022 collaborations. And so not all the things that happen around the city of Batesville are just by the city. And so we have a number of collaborations that are going to happen this year. First off is a skate park. Uh, Dr. Amy Carpenter in the Batesville area, or Batesville Skate Park Advocacy Group, has been raising money in the background, quite been pretty successful at it. I think they've somewhere around $200,000 that they have raised. And so they're looking to build at least part of the, the skate park that they would like to have. And so what they call the streetscape part, they are looking to build the bowl section. They may not be able to afford, uh, but they are working with a designer and we are hope, hopefully going to be bidding that project in the next couple months. And then that hopefully they'll, then they'll be able to build that this summer and that will be a, become a reality. We also have three different projects with NDOT that are coming up. This first one is a trail project. And so it, NDOT really has taken this project over, but it really started as something that the city of Batesville made a request of NDOT for this project back in 2016. In March of 2016, we made, made a request to the state so we could build a trail that would connect the east side of Batesville back to Liberty Park. We'd already done the work for a for sidewalks that would connect the west side of Batesville, basically a, um, connecting Lake of the Woods back to town by going across Columbus Avenue. So that was already on, on one project. And so we needed to get all the way over to the YMCA so we could get over to Hillendale. And so that project is going to come to pass this summer. And so they've bid the project. It's been awarded to the Paul Rowe Company. And so the construction of that will finally happen six years later. And so that is the first phase of a multi-phase project to, uh, to do trails around our community. The next phase of that will, won't happen until the year 2025. We already have funding for that. Again, it's another NDOT project. This is not on the list. And so it is a trail that connects north and south. So we'll pick up the sidewalks by the golf course. And we'll go across 46 and across 74 and then end up out by the uh, new Freedom Park out on the north side of town. Uh, and so I'll go backward. So, so that's enough for, for those two trail projects. Um, the next collaboration is also with NDOT. This is the repaving of 229 through town. We've already kind of talked about that. And so this summer, uh, NDOT has already awarded that contract to, again, Paul Rowe Company. And they'll be repaving 229 through town then this summer. The last one on that list is probably a new one for you all. And so this is something that's only come up in the last few months that NDOT is looking to replace a culvert on Highway 46 out near Merkel Road. And so if you're doing that in your head like I did the first time I heard about this, when they replace a culvert, they have to tear the road up completely to replace it. And so that means they're going to close Highway 46 for approximately 45 days to replace that culvert sometime this fall. They don't have exact dates. I don't know if they even have a contractor at this point, but that is coming. Uh, 
And so there'll be a time later this year when, when you're upset and angry, 812-212-6130. Uh, and most, most likely by then I will have memorized the INDOT number and I'll be prepared to give you that one so you can contact them also. So let's talk about the financial side of the business. Now this is where it gets really boring, and so I've done this every year. Uh, quite honestly, we do this every month, and so we provide this information every month at the city council meetings. Uh, and so this is the summation for the year 2021. And so across the top of that page, hopefully you can see it, uh, is the, the line that I normally look at first, uh, and that tells us how much money we have within the system. So if you look in where she's got the pointer, we had $5.7 million in cash on hand at the start of the year. We then brought in about $11.6 million in revenue. We had expenditures of 8.7 with an ending balance of cash on hand of $8.6 million, which was a net increase of 2.9 million. And so that number is crazy. I've, um, and so let me explain a little bit. So if you go down and you look at the next three lines, we have what we call, what Paul and I call our asterisks. These are special cases, things that happen. These are one-time monies that we don't necessarily count on happening, but money that has come into the city for a variety of reasons. And so the first one is the cash reserve fund, which is a transfer from gas. And so I've talked about this each year for the last number of years, about we had excess funds in our gas utility. We, got ex we had excess funds because at one point the water department uh, needed money, so they borrowed money from the gas department. The State Board of Accounts looked at that and said, wait a minute, you just can't make a loan. You have to first declare that as excess funds then you can loan it out. And so once they declared it excess funds, it no longer belonged to the gas utility. It, w it was transferred legally over to city council for them to say grace over. Since it was excess funds and they no longer needed it, they could give it away like they did. So it was transferred over to this, and so it was in our gas um, utility for a number of years and so we decided this year that we would transfer that money officially into the accounts for the non-utility funds and then that we made I'll say a gentleman's agreement with the utility board that we would spend that money then on utility projects and so we have um, you'll see on that line that we transferred one million twelve thousand dollars in the revenue side, and the expense side says 610000 So we, that's the money that we have spent on the utility work underneath Walnut Street. And so we're spending that money on utility projects. So as to, since that money was utility money, we're trying to do our best to make sure we spend it on utility items. And so that's a million dollars that came in. That is a one-time event. Don't expect that will happen again anytime in the near future. And so that's certainly big money. And so of the ARPA money, originally um, it was announced early last year that the city of Batesville would get $1.5 million out of those ARPA funds. We received half of it so far. So 754000 is showing up on our sheet as one-time money that we have not yet um, worked on how, to, how that money will be invested. Oh, go back. Thank you. 
Then the last, the last one of that group is about $900,000 in community crossing funds. When we make that request to NDOT and they say yes, they, it comes with checks. Or in this case, it came in two checks. And so that money is sitting in that account and we have not yet received any invoices from Roe, even though they've done some of the work, they have not invoiced us yet. And so that money is all sitting there. So it's approximately two point some two point nine million dollars that is in that money that has not been that is came in this year that is out of the ordinary, and we've only spent six hundred thousand. I tend to look at that next line that's underneath it. I think that's the one that more accurately talks about how we, we as a city are doing. So we had five point seven to start with, had revenues of nine not counting the special items, expenses of 8.1 with about uh, 6.5 left over, 6.6 left over. So we finished in the black about $836,000. So it's not like a business. We're, our goal is not to make money. We're not here to make be a profit center. Our goal is to try to um, make sure we're doing smart things and investing that money in, in the correct ways. Um, we ended up with... It's a, a fair amount of money left over. Uh, quite honestly, I'm happy about that. Last year, I told you that I was unhappy about finishing with money in the black because we try to do our best to spend it in the year we get it and try not to have to have $8 million in cash at, at any one point in time. But this year is a little odd. And so we've got a number of things that um, have me somewhat concerned. The first one is uh, we are all facing inflation. It is one of those things that is here that, well, that we need to understand that is something we're going to have to deal with. Most, uh, few of us are old enough to remember the last time that we went through this inflation cycle. I was a college student back in uh, late 70s, early 80s, and when inflation was last reared its ugly head, and it's quite, quite a challenge. The best way to fix an inflation problem is to raise interest rates. When you raise interest rates, that normally puts a damper on the economy. And so that means we might be headed for a tough time ahead for the next few years. Don't know that for a fact, but it's one of those things that we're going to have to be cognizant of and make sure that we have a plan for. And so we're, that is one of the two challenges. The other one is the, what's happening geopolitically across the globe at this point. Who knows what happens with Russia and Ukraine? I don't. I hope nothing happens. I hope that we... They find a way to settle their differences, um, but that too might put a damper on the economy as a whole and may put us in a much more difficult situation. So I'm not as uh, unhappy about where we are financially. This is a slide I use every year just to kind of keep, this is kind of my own personal scorecard to see how we're doing. And so when we started, we had just under $4 million in cash to start off with. We're now up to about 8.6, uh, so we're uh, to the plus of about 4.6 over time. Um, again, that includes all those extra dollars that we will be that will be spent for other projects, and so that money will that will certainly come down over the next couple of years as we do our ARPA projects and we do our community crossing projects, and so that number will change, but. Just for it to be consistent, Util and so here's where the money comes from. Every month we get about four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars from the counties. 
Then twice a year, we get a larger check from the counties, the middle column, which is property tax infusions that come in. We pay our property tax in May and November. That means then we, the city gets a much bigger check than in July or June and December. And then the last column is, again, those specialty items that we've talked about before. Where the money comes from, what, what are the sources? So the, the big two are property tax and county income tax. It accounts for about 76% of the money that we get in comes from those two accounts, or those two types of taxes. Those, if the combination of those two has been relatively constant over the years. It's not, not exact but it's not too far off. It varies from uh, right now it's 76. I think one year was up to 78% of our funds came from there. It's really not dependent upon that too much of that, but it's just interesting to know where that where that, our money comes from. The utilities then each have that same kind of a balance sheet or same kind of a summary sheet. Again, across the top, the water utility started with 35 uh, had revenues of 3.1, expenditures of 2.3, ended up at 4.3. They had $810,000 extra at the end of the year. Now, originally when that budget was put together, the plan was that we were going to, they were going to have to pay for their portion of the utility work under Walnut Street was going to come out of their own funds. But when we made the decision to use the utility uh, use that gas money to pay for those utility projects. That means they have extra funds in their account this year. Next one. Gas is the same. Um, started with 5.4 receipts, expenditures. Um, and so if you look at the second line where it says cash reserve amount, that is that same excess of funds. You'll see how it started off with $1 million in that reserve account. And then in the expenditure column, that $1 million was moved out. And so if you look then at the third line, that is the more accurate depiction of what truly happened with the gas utility. And so at the end of the year, they finished at about $98,000 in the black. We haven't talked about the middle section very much. If you look at the budget expenditures themselves, you see a lot of red there in the, uh, on the, on the right-hand side. Uh, that is expected, and so they budget each year. Their budget is built on on an estimate of how much gas they will need to use to meet the demand for the cold weather. If it's a colder year than normal, then they, they buy more gas. They're, they sell more. They sell more gas, but they also buy more gas. So that throws off what their budget is. So those numbers in the red would normally alarm people, but in this case, since we've uh, they're in the red means that we ended up buying more gas than we originally planned and it was bought because we we needed to meet the demand to heat homes and so and then the the ninety eight thousand dollar net change kind of proves that it was done properly next wastewater again it's kind of the same thing started with about 1.8 uh, revenues of two million spent 1.3 Ending balance of 2.4. They were finishing the black by about 600, over 600,000. Again, back to the utility replacement project under Walnut Street. Part of that is because of that. And so uh, they should have, they benefited from that expense. So they're in pretty good shape. 
Okay, let's talk about the census. What am I doing? Okay. Um, the red line across the top is Ripley County. The green line underneath it is Franklin County. The blue line at the bottom is Batesville. And so uh, let's start at Batesville. So this is the true actual census numbers for in the year 2010 when the census was taken. Batesville's population was 6,524. When the census was taken in 22 or 2020, uh, the census number jumped up to 7,202. And so that's an increase of about 678 people. So Batesville grew by about 10.5% in the last decade. And I would venture to guess that there aren't, you probably can't count more than three or four cities across the entire state of Indiana of our size that grew by 10% in the last 10 years. We may be the only one. Uh, we've been very fortunate. We have done, obviously, or have been doing a few things right, and we're very fortunate to be growing. The, um, if you look up the county numbers, you'll notice that the counties have actually gotten smaller. Their populations have gone down, uh, not a great percentage, 300 people, 350 people per county. But Batesville has found a way to be growing, and so we're, and so, uh, we are very fortunate to be in a position where we're, we continue to grow. The next slide I only put up only because I've used this slide every year. And so the, the, if you look at this really, really closely and look at the Batesville number, it says, and this, was, this is from the exact same data place. It's a group that's called Stats Indiana. They provide stats on population. But they estimated, and that's the key word in this, on this slide is estimated, State of Indiana population estimates for the year 2020. They estimated our population was 6,749, so they missed it by about 450 people or so. And so that's um, a little off. Um, so not much more to say that. The other, st other piece of data that we've talked about every year is about housing starts. And housing starts got to be really important for us a few years back because at the, even back in 2016, we were seeing the number of houses that were available for sale in the city of Batesville kept declining. And same is true all across the state. Um, even now, we're still in that same range of about 10 houses for sale today. And so that really makes it difficult for a city to grow if you only have 10 houses on the market at any one time. And so you need to be continually making it possible for people to build homes so that we can raise our population, so we can increase the amount of revenue so that we can pay for the services that we provide. And so uh, early in the 2011 through 2016, we probably averaged about 12 new homes a year. Uh, since then, we have done much better. Last year, we had 26 homes, new homes that were built within the city limits. Um, and so that's a little bit lower than what we've had the, pre the previous year. Uh, the, but the good news for us is that we actually had um, Rama River Marketplace came, or Depot Square came, uh, opened up last summer. They had 52 apartments that they built. All 52 apartments have been filled. So I expect our population went up uh, again this past year, in the year 2021. So we're, uh, we're still headed in the right direction. 
We still have room to grow. We have 55 single-family home lots that are on the market today. Uh, there's a plan in place already that there are subdivisions that are prepared to expand. So we expect there will be another 65 lots that will be available later this year. And then we also have plans that are all already out there for additional subdivisions that will bring in another 250-plus um, single-family home lots for people to build on. So we're in a position for years to come to be able to continue to grow. And so the good news of all this is that Baseville is still growing. We are still going in, in the right direction. And we are very fortunate in our community to have groups that may have, are making a difference in our community. We would not be growing if we did not have a lot of people all pulling in the same direction. I use this analogy a lot of getting people to grab a rope and all pull in the same direction instead of 10 different groups pulling in 10 different directions. Uh, we have a number of organizations that have helped us to get to this point. And certainly the Main Street organization is one of those groups, and they have been a, a big partner and a, a big help to our community. Uh, this past year, they did a project in downtown Bates, Batesville that we call Inspiration Park. And so it, actually it was the old bicycle park. Uh, we had a city councilman who came to council and said, we should turn that bicycle park into a park to celebrate the police and fire departments, correct? And shortly after that, then somebody, the state came up with a grant program to come up with money to uh, pay honor to the women's suffrage movement. And so we applied for that. We were unsuccessful. We were not funded. And so the Main Street organization said, we still want to do this project. We still think we can make this work. And so they did. So they went out and raised the money. Uh, the city helped with some of that. The city provided some services. We also did some work as far as a stormwater project on George Street so as to help make, make it possible that we could do two different bump outs on, on George Street, one in front of Amex Well and one in front of Safe Passage. And so that all was able to be done um, this past year. And so if you've not been down there to see it, it is beautiful. The artwork that is a part of it, the top picture is uh, is striking, especially when the sun is hitting it. It is beautiful. It pays honor to the women to women from Batesville who have made a difference in our community. The, the first five honorees were, um, God help me if I get this wrong, um, Margaret Hillenbrand, Mary Mitchell, uh, who were obviously for Margaret Mary Hospital, uh, Jane Yorn from Safe Passage, Jolene Rockwood for Rural, Alive, the Rural Alliance of the Arts, which is now the Batesville Area Arts Council, and Roberta Cook for Amex Well. And so, um, so it's a, it's a great, I, it was a great plan. It's come together well. We actually have two, at least two members. Anybody, who, who else? Anybody else from Main Street? Yeah, John. Uh, we'll give John some credit. So Lisa Tuvison is president, correct? And Brian, Brian Renekamp actually managed the project, correct? And so um, we are fortunate to have a group like Main Street that is a part of our community that has helped 
to pull in that same direction. So thank you very much. We also have another group that has done a lot for our community for a lot of years. Again, originally the Rural Alliance of the Arts, now more commonly called the Batesville Area Arts Council. And they too had a really busy year this past year. People are snickering at me. I'm up, up to my hour. Um, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. And so the Batesville Area Arts Council also has done a number of really great things this past year and, and has, is making a difference in our community. And so if you think about Umbrella Sky in early spring, um, the murals on Walnut Street that, that followed a few months later, then the clock tower on the Hillrom Training Building a couple months after that, and then the Batesville Sky then this, this winter. Um, and, and, of course, my favorite of all those is still the um, Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra event. Uh, I say that because I was a youngster growing up in Batesville a hundred years ago when it was first introduced, and it was a huge event. And, and so glad that we've been able to find a way to bring that event back to the community. We've done this last year will be our, was our third year. This will be our fourth year of doing it. Um, and so we'll have it again this, uh, June 30th. I think it's a Thursday, June 30th, that we'll be able to do it again this year. Um, the Batesville Area Arts Council has been a huge partner to the city of Batesville. They too are making a difference. When we grow, it is not because of any one entity. It is because we have so many good things in the city of Batesville. We are lucky that we have a hospital, and we have a hospital that is highly ranked across both the state and the country. We have a school corporation, a public school and private schools that are ranked among some of the best in the state. We have so many items. We have a swimming pool across the street. We have a public library. We have amenities that most communities of our size could only dream of having. And that's only because we've had so many people who have pulled in the same direction. We have a YMCA that, again, most there, I bet you can't find another community of 7,000 people that has a YMCA in it, in it. We have just so many of these things happening in our community. We are so lucky. And and so that is somewhat of our, my pep talk to say we need to keep going. We, need, we, we can do so much more. I'm hopeful that with the help of ARPA and with the help of the READY program that we'll be able to do some, a couple more kind of fun things here in the next few years and that we will continue to be on this same path of growing our community. And with that... Seven o'clock. Thank you very much. And so again, I'd like to thank the folks from WRBI for um, playing this live so we can get this word out to as many people as possible. Uh, we will make this presentation available on our website probably tomorrow. And then uh, people, you know, when you have nothing else to do, you can turn this on and relive the magic of this evening. And so I encourage you all to do so. Um, and so, again, thank you all for coming. This has been the annual State of the City Address from Batesville Mayor Mike Bettis on 103.9 WRBI.